Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. So I would like you to do this before we go any further. We're going to say a confession. We're going to confess some scriptures over our life. Because the Bible says that the word preached to a certain group of people, you know, the, God sent his word to heal them and deliver them from their destructions. Well, it said the word preached didn't profit these people, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So really, it's not just how did the preacher do, it's how did the hearer do. It's not just me preparing for a Sunday morning, it's you preparing to hear how you're going to hear. It's very important to make sure you're hearing accurately and you're in a good, good shape to hear because we can be here physically, but our receptivity is really low because of maybe staying up to four in the morning playing video games or whatever. Just because we're here physically doesn't mean you're in the best shape to receive. And so we need to treat the things of God to such a level that we're ready to receive the word. And Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, the word of God preached to you guys in Thessalonica, it effectually worked in you because you didn't receive it as the word of a preacher. You received it as in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in those that believe. How many want to get something out of church today? Then say this confession with me and prepare your heart to be a good receiver. You ready? Say this. I received God's word today. With a meek and teachable heart. And it restores and strengthens my soul. The book of James will tell you that. And then let's say this. I mix faith with the word of God. And it profits me greatly. I get more than just a good sermon. I get a changed life. I give full attention to God's word. And according to Proverbs chapter 4, attending to God's word produces health and medicine to all my flesh. Little toe, liver, kidney, thyroid, brain, bone, skin, glands, nerves, all your flesh means little toe, heart, liver, and everything in between, right? So good, you're prepared to hear the word say, turn with me to Romans chapter 3. We're talking about the life of victory. There is a life that you and I can live where we don't have to pray, Jesus, save me and help me so often. Because his help is simply on this road if you're on it. There is a place in Christianity where you can avoid a bunch of adversity that otherwise you'd have to go through if you weren't living the certain way the Lord wanted you to live. There is a life that avoids a lot of junk. And some people's answer is not just pray for me again, Pastor. It's get off that road you're on. Get on a better road where those things aren't that you don't want to experience. The Bible talks about after you're born again, you are not forced to walk a certain way. You are not made to go down certain roads. You can be a believer in Jesus, 
on your way to heaven, spiritually speaking, when you die, go to heaven, but on a wrong road in this world until you get to heaven. And if you're on wrong roads, guess what? You experience things that are on those roads. So a lot of people's answer is not just another prayer. A lot of people's answer is get off the road you're on. What way are you going? What, what, what way of thinking do you have about you? What way of talking do you have? What way of believing? What way of expecting? What way of treating other people? What, what, is there anything about your life that's causing you to go back into problems after Jesus sets you free from that problem? You need to analyze your life at times, not just how you're praying. We believe in prayer. Prayer is powerful. It saves lives. We have testimonies all the time of people getting answers to prayer. But there is a way to live your life where a lot of the things we have been praying for, we won't need to pray for if we're living the way the Lord wants us to live, not just running to Him when we hit a brick wall. Amen. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> Any believer can get a victory. But it takes living in the will of God to live in victory. I used to just run to the Lord when I had a problem. And then I came to realize one day I can avoid some of these problems and not have to keep running to Him every time I hit a brick wall because there is a life where there's no brick walls to hit. I mean, if you're on a road that's headed for a brick wall, guess what? You're going to hit a brick wall, and all the while God loves you. All the while you're a heaven-bound child of God, but you're on a wrong road. And so we need to realize that being a Christian is not just about saying, I believe in Jesus, and then going back to our own life, doing whatever we want, never seeking Him for advice, never looking to Him for direction, never saying, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. There is a way to live above the storm. We don't deny storms. Storms are real, but you can get above it. You can be protected from it. Psalm 91 says that. that in the la the, Psalm 91 says that there's going to be times in life where things happen all around you and they're going to try to happen to you. But you can get to a place in God, not he that visits the secret place, he that lives in the secret place of the Most High will remain under the shadow of the Almighty. Now no evil shall befall you, nor any plague come near your dwelling. And it's not just contingent upon you having, you know, a born-again experience and going to heaven when you die. There's a road to stay on. You know, there's roads you can go on right now in the natural and get shot at. How many think it would be a good idea not to go down those roads? Right? Well, there's roads spiritually you can go down where the devil has a right to take shots at you. I mean, you have to be sober. You have to realize you can't just do anything you want and live in perfect freedom in every area of your life. Yes, you're a child of God. Yes, if you die, you'll go to heaven, but you don't have to go early. You don't have to get beat up by forces of the enemy until you get there. You can miss a bunch of what I call unnecessary adversity. People who don't follow God's plan for their life always encounter tests and trials the Lord never intended for them to encounter. Do you understand that? And there's a way, there's a way of living, there's a way of thinking, there's a way of believing, there's a way of talking, there's a way of loving and treating other people. There's a way that has amazing, wonderful benefits on it. That you have to be on that way if you want those benefits on your journey through this life and ending up in heaven because you're a believer. So look at Romans 3, Romans chapter 3. 
And let's look at verse 16 and 17. Romans 3, 16 and 17. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Now he's talking about a group of people who are doing their own thing, don't care about the counsel of God. They don't care about the direction of the Lord. They're just pretty much doing whatever they feel like it. And how many of you know, if you do whatever you feel like, you won't even make it to heaven. <laughs> I mean, we, you're going to feel like doing all kinds of stuff that's against the will of God, that's not good for you, that in the long run is full of destruction and misery. Yeah, one of the first things you need to learn when you become a Christian is you've got to detach yourself from being a body-ruled Christian. You've got to be a Bible-ruled person. You want to make sure that you know, things are lining up with the Scriptures, not just going after everything you feel. I'm not saying everything we feel is wrong, but make sure it's right by going to the Scriptures and make the Scriptures the reason you're doing it, not because you felt it. So this scripture says, destruction and misery are in these people's way. So if they want out of destruction and misery, what should they do? Well, pastor, they should just pray another prayer and the Lord will bail them out. And the interesting thing is he will, but what if you're still on the wrong way? Well, you get bailed out, but then guess what's around the corner? More destruction and more misery and more bailout prayers. If we will live the life that the Lord wants us to live, we won't be having to pray, Jesus, save me so much. <laughs> Our prayers are going to be more for other people. I mean, there's a way to live. We talked about this in previous messages. There's a way to live your life in God where the wicked one touches you not. It's like Jesus when he was talking about, you know, the principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. He was telling his disciples, he said, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. Wow, that's a good confession. How come the enemy could never do anything to the Lord until the Lord let his guard down so we could all be saved? How come the devil could never do anything? Tried to kill him multiple times before his time. And why could... Well, because he was living in victory. He was living in the will of God where the devil couldn't touch him. You do realize the only reason Jesus died is because he let his guard down. <laughs> do you understand that? Pilate, the governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate said, Don't you know I have the power to kill you? And Jesus said, You don't have any power. The only power you got came to you from above. This is a fixed thing here, buddy. It's going the way the Father wants, and you're just a pawn. Well, destruction and misery have a lot to do with the way people are going and the way people are thinking and the way people are living. But what about peace and victory and health? We'll look at the next verse. It said about these people and the way of peace calls peace away. Peace is not just the answer to a prayer. If you want lasting peace, it's a way you need to be living. Because peace is always on this certain road. And if you're always on that road, you're always going to have access to peace. Peace is not just the answer to a prayer. Because you could pray for peace, still be on the road of misery, and after a while, misery you're going to experience misery again. Here's the thing. God has a way he wants all of us to live. It's not always going to jive with what you feel like doing. It's not always going to seem like the right way. It's not always going to feel like the right way. But here's a revelation. Father, 
knows best. God's been around a little longer than us. He's got an aerial view of this thing called life, and he knows what's out there. The enemy is such an illusionist, trying to paint up the beginning of all these problems to make them look great so people just barge right through the door not realizing it's just a, a trick and a lie of the enemy to get you on a road in a place where he can hurt you. So I want you to go to a scripture now in Ephesians 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. And before we read this scripture, let me remind you of a couple things we've already talked about. If you want to live in victory, you're going to have to learn to live your life here on the earth by faith every day. Conscious of the scriptures, conscious of the things of God, conscious of the ways of God, because 98% of the stuff around you in this world is not in line with this book. And you're going to have to use your faith in every area of your life, not, not just when you're in trouble. See, that's where people get in trouble, is they... They use their faith only when they're in trouble and they're never usually ready for that evil day because they have to like all of a sudden remind themselves, okay, now what did God's word say? Okay, now I need to have faith. It should have already been living by faith before that problem came. And then you would have been ready and it wouldn't have been such a traumatic uh, event in your life. I just feel like the Lord's saying, son, help my people with some preventive medicine today. Preventative medicine today. It's wonderful to get free. But God wants you to stay free. Staying free is not the same as getting free. Right? The Bible says don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You can get back into bondage. You can get back into a place where you need to get free again. Jesus wants us free and he wants us to stay free. And there is a way to do it. But it's more than just running to the Lord when you need saved and then going back and doing whatever you want to do in this, this earth walk. We've got to learn to yield to the Lord. And why would we be hesitant to do that? His plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in a future. His plans is that your joy is full and that you prosper and be in health. His plan is that you're abundantly blessed and have full purpose in your life. Why would we shy away from that? I'll tell you why. Opposing demon forces do not want you thinking that God's way is the best way. And so they'll constantly be there whispering in your ear saying, you really won't like it. Selling out to God, you really won't like it. You need to rise up and realize, devil, shut up. Doubt, get out of here. God's way is the best way. Leave my feelings alone. Leave my emotions alone. Leave my mind alone. Get out of here. You're a liar. God's way is the best way. God's way is the best way. For me, my family, my health, my finances, my dreams, my everything. And you don't just think it. Sometimes you've got to say it. If Jesus had to say it is written, at times we're going to have to say it. None of this silent mental warfare stuff. Open your mouth. Speak. So turn to Ephesians 5. So you're going to have to learn to walk by faith, not just use your faith when a problem happens. Be a better husband by faith. Be a better wife by faith, right? Use your faith in the financial area. Use your faith in staying out of sin area. Confess scriptures that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Righteous people don't play in the dirt. Right? Use your faith in every area of your life. So then if an attack comes to you, you've already been swinging the sword, you've got your muscles all built up, and the enemy tries to bring sickness or cancer your way, you just pop it with the sword and you're, you win. But if you're looking for your sword, when it, uh, the doctor gives you the bad report, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What, what, faith. Oh yeah, faith. What did pastor say? A little late. 
If you wait till you need faith to get faith, you're too late. You need to already be living by faith. And the Bible says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Name anything in the world. Your faith can overcome it. Cancer. Mental problems. Deep depression. Loneliness. Whatever. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's one of the reasons we have faith on our sign on the building and on the sign on the road is because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. God can't believe for you and he can't receive for you. We have to do that. We have to learn how to do that and he'll teach us. But in Ephesians 5.18, here, let, me, let me name a couple things that need to be who you are, not just a part of your life if you want to live in victory. Because some people try to cram these things and they're already, you know, molded lifestyle. Sometimes you've got to say, ah, new life, new life. <laughs> not just going to add something else. I, I need a new life. Here's what, your, here's what our life needs to be like if we're going to live in victory. We need to be people that are regularly intaking this word right here. If you want to prosper and be successful, you're going to have to have constant intake of the word. I, I figured, man, if we've got three, four hours a day for Hollywood, we should at least have one hour for a holy word. Like a good sermon from somebody you know God wants you to listen to. I mean, what's wrong with this picture? We get all antsy about a two-hour church service and we stay in a movie theater two hours, used to, or in front of your TV two, three, four hours a day. Why would we be edgy in church? Now, I agree. There's some churches probably need to be over an hour. They ain't doing much. Not much happening. <laughs> Go ahead. But there's other church services where the Word's coming forth and you're being fed and divine things are happening. Why would we want to rush that but sit in front of a two-and-a-half-hour movie hearing the F word and this and that? Why would we be agitated about a good church service? Can I give you a little hint? Demons. <laughs> Demons that are trying to get us away from things that will totally revolutionize our life. But we're going to have to have a regular intake of this word. You can't just say, well, I'll read the word if I have time. That's not in line with the life of victory. The word is our life. And if we have, other if we have more time for something else, we'll add that to. But this never gets bumped. Man will not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You will not make it on food alone. There's things that will come against you in this life that nourishment cannot overcome. You're going to need faith in God, faith in His Word. I think we should all get in the habit of, you know, absorbing one good sermon a day. Pastor, I can't do that. You already do three hours of TV a day. What do you mean you can't do that? It's just going to have to be a change on the inside. Click, I'm a different person. You should do your devotions every day. Read your chapter every day. If you're married, I think, you know, finding time to sit down and go over some of these things together. Encourage one another. If, you don't have a, if you're not married and you're alone, find somebody else. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go to them. Well, nobody ever asked me out to lunch. Nobody ever wants to talk with me. Are you sowing any seeds in that area? Are you making the effort? Are you going out, out of your way? Hey, let's get together. Let me buy you coffee. All right, so walking the life of receiving the word, living by faith, walking in love. 
And what I'm going to tell you right now are lifestyles that need to be who we are if we're going to live in victory. And this is, I want to, um, I want to say it this way to you. I was praying and seeking the Lord a couple days ago about these things. And I, I asked myself in prayer, because I felt like Lord, Lord and I were talking about these things. And I said, what are the three greatest sins in the church right now that you know, the church needs to wake up to and turn from? What are the three greatest sins? And so I wrote down, I, I got my paper out and I wrote down one, two, three. And the first one on the top of the list, this is what came to me in a time of prayer. Number one sin in the church today. And if you think about it, when you hear this, you're going to see a ton of other sins under this category. In other words, because of this one sin, a ton of other sins are taking place in people's lives. It was number one, the sin of refusal to live a spirit-filled life. A lot of people think they're born again, they're spirit-filled, unscriptural. And I'll show you in just a second. Just because you're born again doesn't mean you're presently filled with the Holy Spirit. It means you're born of the Spirit. It means you're on your way to heaven. It doesn't mean you're filled with the Spirit. And another thing, read Ephesians 5.18 as I'm talking. So go ahead and put it up on the screen. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now listen closely to what he's saying here. He's saying, he's saying, listen, don't turn to the world for what the Holy Spirit can do for you. I used to call them Holy Ghost substitutes, but they're not. They're terrible substitutes. They're just flat out off course. I mean, there's no substitute for the Holy Ghost. There's cheap hope to be substitutes, but here Paul is writing to born-again Christians who had a spirit-filled experience years before this. And he's telling these born-again people who had spoken tongues, be filled with the Spirit. Now, why would you say that if you're just automatically, every day, living a Spirit-filled life as a Christian? You wouldn't write to born-again believers and say, be filled with the Spirit, if being born again meant you were filled with the Spirit. Why is he saying that? See, there's a lot of people that need to hear this. There's some that are tuning in, too, that are watching. I just sense in my spirit right now, you've been taught that once you're born again, you have all the Holy Spirit there is. There's no greater measure of Him, of him in your life. All these people are saying, be filled with the Spirit and speak with tongues. They're just off. They're just messed up. No, they're not. It's in the Bible. You can be a born-again Christian like these Ephesians. You can have had a Spirit-filled experience and spoke with tongues, and yet that day not be living a Spirit-filled life. And this is what the church needs to get, because when you're living a Spirit-filled life, the influence of the Spirit of God is working through you like alcohol works through people that are drunk on alcohol. They are not just doing what they normally do. Something besides them is influencing them to do stupid things, things they regret the next morning, things they might go to jail for. And it's all because they've opened up to something and drank something in that started to influence them more than even themselves. 
An outside influence was controlling their actions more than they control their own actions. He's saying like this in the realm of the Spirit, you can be so filled with the Holy Spirit that His influence through you is actually living the holy life you're supposed to live. You're so full of the Holy Spirit, He's witnessing through you. Now it's not a nervous thing or a fearful thing or a drag. It's just flowing. How I many know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have... You're Nobody ever has missed it in any area being led by the Spirit. Nobody has made a wrong decision being led by the Spirit. Nobody's ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time being led by the Spirit. Do you know why Jesus was 100% successful? Not one person that he ministered to failed to receive healing. You don't want to know why? Because he was led by the Spirit and who to minister to. He didn't just jump to needs. He didn't just jump because he, he was led by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize the Holy Spirit knows who's not ready to receive healing? And if you go ahead and pray for them anyway and they don't receive, now you just mess things up even worse. Now they think prayer doesn't work and maybe it's not God's will. How many know it would be better to be led by the Spirit and only minister and help people by the leading of the Spirit instead of just, hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? You always can help them if they're willing to receive help, but there may be some other things besides just praying a prayer that they need, like, hey, let's hear the Word for a while. Let's get in the Scriptures for a while. Let's build our faith so when we pray, it actually works. Well, this Scripture says, to New Testament born-again Christians who had a Spirit-filled experience and spoke with tongues, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? What in the world does that mean? I believe refusal to do this is the root reason for a ton of other sins and problems in Christians' lives. Let's face it. No born-again Christian who committed a crime, and there's a bunch of them, who committed a crime and is in prison today, none of those people were spirit-filled the morning they committed their crime. But they committed their crime. They're Christians. They're going to heaven when they die. They made a big mistake, and they're in prison. Why would they be in prison today? Well, because they robbed a bank, or they smacked their wife, or... No, it's because they weren't filled with the Spirit the morning of the crime. you got to go back to what led up to the visible problem. Because if you never go back and you never go deep enough to find out what caused the problem, you're just going to be chopping things off at the surface. You're just going to be repenting for lust. You're just going to be repenting for drunkenness. You're just going to be repenting for fornication. You're never going to be repenting for what led up to it. And what leads up to that stuff is simply not living a Spirit-filled life because nobody living a Spirit-filled life wants to even do those things, let alone does them. And so really, the answer is not just getting all this junk out of our life. Let's get something better in our life. Let's get so full of the Holy Spirit that there's like this sign around our neck that says, No vacancies. Do you realize, do you realize, do you realize you people have problems in their life simply because they have room for them? What if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, ding, no room for depression. Free through the law of displacement. Free. What if you're living a spirit-filled life? You know, not just had an experience you can point back to a year and a half ago. Oh, it was amazing in that meeting. And Mark Hankins meeting. Oh, man, we all jumping and shouting and praising God. Oh, I was speaking in tongues. Oh, that was wonderful. Great for a year and a half ago. What about today? Romans says, maintain the glow. 
King James says, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Maintain the glow while you're serving the Lord. I don't even know if it's acceptable unless we're doing it fervently. I mean, you say, well, pastor, what does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? I'm so glad you asked. Thank you for that question. Because a lot of people right now, you say, are you a spirit-filled Christian? They go, oh, yeah. And they're not. They're born again. They're on their way to heaven. But being spirit-filled is more than being saved. You can't even be spirit-filled until you are saved. The Bible talks about born of the Spirit, and the Bible talks about filled with the Spirit. Two separate experiences that can happen to a believer and should happen to a believer. And this has been so overlooked. So overlooked. Do you realize when you're living a Spirit-filled life, you don't even want to sleep with somebody you're not married to, let alone fighting the urge all day long. You don't even want to when you're filled with the Spirit. Yeah, there's temptations. Yeah, things will pull on you. Yes, it's not automatic, but it's so much easier to live a holy life when you're living a Holy Spirit-filled life. And there is a way, believer, there is a way. And in these last days, I'm telling you, we need to all be not only saved, we need to be maintaining a Spirit-filled life, which simply means you are taking in the things of God daily. You're praying in tongues daily. You're absorbing the Word of God daily to where it never becomes second rate in your life. And something, you know, sports is way up here. You're more excited about sports than the things of God. And God wants us to enjoy these good things. That's fine. Enjoy them. But never let them get a hold of you like only God should be a, get a hold of you. Movies, music, all this other stuff. It's great. It's fine. God wants us to enjoy it. But watch out about that stuff becoming number one. The thing you look forward to the most. <laughs> now, you know, whether you think you know, this has happened or not, I've slipped from living spirit-filled life. I've slipped. Been a Christian, in the ministry, on my way to heaven. I've slipped from maintaining a spirit-filled life. And if you slip too long and you get too far away, pretty soon you start thinking it's not that big a deal anymore to live a spirit-filled life. There's a big deception that goes with slipping back. And I, I was saying earlier, I said, I don't know what it's going to take for the church to finally wake up, you know, and stop fornicating and stop getting drunk and, you know, stop sleeping around and stop, you know, watching movies with nudity in them. And I, I don't know what it's going to take to get the church cleaned up in those areas. I hope it doesn't take harder times. Because... 2 Chronicles 7.14 doesn't just talk about praying more. It also talks about God's people turning from their wicked ways. And then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know what it's going to take to get these Christians out of bars, drinking margaritas. I don't know what it's going to take to, you know, get these sipping saints to, you know, not sip anymore. I don't know what it's going to take, but it's going to happen. I just hope it happens because we hear sermons and get corrected and change as opposed to things have to get worse and darker to force us to change. It didn't say if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. That's not what it said. It said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't want it to have to get any darker, guys. I don't want it to have to get any worse. I don't want it to have to get any more 
persecution toward Christians, but let's face it, if that's what it takes, that's our choice, I guess. Wouldn't be God's number one choice. His number one choice is that we're like the wise men from the East. You know, we come seek Him because we're smart, not because we're half dead. <laughs> right? If you notice, wise men from the East came to worship Him. They weren't half dead at the end of their rope going, Where's Jesus? We're about to die. I've got so much oppression in my life. This is awful. No, they were just smart. Just wise. We can just, we can just shape up right now if you like. How many think you... How many think it'd be good right now to throw off what's going to be shaken off anyway? Yeah. Just throw it off out of some character, you know? Just throw it off out of some maturity instead of getting caught again. Yeah. I think that would be good. Living a Spirit-filled life is mightily important if you want to live in victory and not always have to be praying Jesus save me prayers every other week. The life of victory... The Bible says when we live for God like we know we should, you know, just walking more softly, saying, Lord, is there anything in my life that needs adjusted? Is there anything you want me to stop or start? Lord, is there any attitude you want fixed? Is there anything more you want me to be doing for you or in the church or serving you? Lord, my life's in your hands. You're amazing. Your, your ways are great. Any changes, Lord, in thinking, talking, any any. What do you want, Lord? When you live a life like that, the Bible says you don't have to pray for certain things. They just come on you and overtake you. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 through 3, says, If we'll hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord our God, diligently, to do all His commandments, He said all these blessings will come on you and overtake you. Didn't even say you had to pray for Him. Jesus said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Didn't even say you had to pray for him. Why couldn't Paul die in a shipwreck? Why couldn't a snake kill him? Because he had things for God to do and he was on that road and he couldn't die. Death was an interruption and nothing was going to interrupt him from fully doing the will of God. He said, an angel appeared to me this night whose I am and whom I serve. The whom I serve part is important too. Praise God, we're children of God, whether we serve him or not. But that doesn't mean serving him is not important. We're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, but we're servants by choice. We're children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, but we're servants of God by choosing to be servants of God. And if you're a servant of God, well, you have to be healed. You're serving God. You need it. If you're serving God, well, you have to be protected. Are you kidding me? You can't die. You've got to finish your course. What if he had to be healed? What if he had to be rich? What if something so powerful was calling for it? Well, then your faith would rise up and make it happen. You'd latch on to what the Lord's provided. See, when you, when you serve the Lord, you know, not just float through life, do your own thing, you know, hopefully make heaven when you die like a guy sliding in the home plate, you know. Am I saved? But when you're, when you're serving the Lord, he, he, this is interesting. You get upset at some stuff when you're serving the Lord. I said, you flat out get upset at some stuff. You know what I mean? You get upset at sickness. Sickness, you're not just an inconvenience. You're trying to stop me from serving to God. Get out of my life. 
Poverty? You're not just an inconvenience. You're, you're trying to stop me from serving the Lord. Get out of my life. You use your authority. Your faith wakes up and you see results because now you have to. Something is saying you've got to have these things. You've got to be free from these things. You know, here's a, a, a wonderful revelation and maybe we'll teach a whole series on it someday. But you and I as believers can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We have authority over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Question is, are you using your authority? you can have it and still go down. But all things that pertain to life and godliness have been given to us. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. World overcomers. Right? Well, we live at the level we're willing to put up with. And the reason a lot of Christians are putting up with stuff that, that's not the will of God, that's that's part of the curse of the law because they're just not fed up with it enough. Let me tell you what will get you fed up at these things that you don't have to have in your life. Knowing that you need them to serve the Lord and to do the things he's called you to do. It's interesting, the leper came to Jesus and worshipped him. Well, worshipers have to be healed. And he was. Sometimes you've got to go to the Lord for more than the healing or the Wisdom or the deliverance that you need. And you say, Lord, I want everything you've got. Because if you get everything, the healing just comes with the package. And if you ask for everything, you know, not just the blessing, but for direction and for correction or whatever else he may have for you, you'll stay free. You'll stay free. Anybody interested in staying free? It's completely, totally, 100% possible. Get off the misery road, right? Get off the destruction road. Get on the road of peace. Get on the road the Lord has for you. Don't just say, Lord, I need this blessing. Say, Lord, I want direction too. So in Ephesians 5, let's read it one more time. Ephesians 5.18, Paul is admonishing all believers to not be drunk with wine. And one translation says, don't get your stimulus from wine. Let the Spirit stimulate your souls. He says here, um, be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you look in the original meaning of this scripture, Paul's telling every Christian, here's what it says in the original Greek, because it was translated from Greek manuscripts. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine where it is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. It's a play on words in the Greek. Be being filled. What does it mean, be being filled? <laughs> it means maintain the glow, baby. <laughs> Stay filled. Do those things. Intake the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit. Worship the Lord. Hear a good sermon. Hang around with other people that are Spirit-filled. You, you know. You say, well, Pastor, how do I know when I'm filled with the Spirit? You don't have to ask. If you have to ask, Pastor, am I filled with the Spirit? Not right now, honey. <laughs> you wouldn't have to ask because when I go out and eat or when I drink water, I don't have to turn to Carla and go, Carla, am I full yet? I'll know when I'm full. I'll know when I've eaten more than enough. <laughs> right? Loosen the belt a little. <laughs> I, know, I don't have to ask somebody when I'm full of water. I know when I'm full of water. And you'll know when you're filled with the Spirit. You won't have to ask. 
Here, here's one thing you can tell. I think we should learn to live a spirit-filled life every day and make it our life, not a part of our life. I'm talk, these ser this series we're talking about is, is preparation for the days ahead. It's pocondilea vinaasto kufromotocha kianto greba vininia egro dijunotele me ampangete flaaksto krovoshene. I'm speaking in tongues and now I'm going to interpret. The Spirit of God says to this church and those specifically watching online that you're being prepared and you're being groomed for the days that are upon you. The days that are ahead are interesting times for a lot of you. And the preparations that are happening are more than enough to see you through the end times and to lift you above the things that will be happening all around you. But take heed, says the Spirit of God, to what you're hearing even in this hour. For living a Spirit-filled life will keep you above the storm. It'll keep you accurate in your decisions. It'll keep you clear in your thinking. It'll quicken you in your mortal body. Your health will be where it should be, for the times that you're living in are prophesied to be perilous times. So think not you're just hearing a sermon and being entertained. Receive the equipping of the Lord today and be strong in these things and don't let them slip and you will be a solution in the end times, not a problem. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you and we praise you. So, so let's get back to this here. That, that's, that's what the Lord needed us to hear. Hot off the wire. But before we close, you ask that, well, how do I, how do I do this? How do I live? Well, if God tells you to be filled with the Spirit, He's going to tell you how to do it. Right? He's not going to say, be filled with the Spirit. Now it's all up to you to guess how it happens. The same Bible that says be filled with the Spirit tells you how to be filled with the Spirit. This can't be something you do and add on if you have time or place. It's something that needs to be who you are. God and His things can no longer be add-ons in our life. They need to be our life. We need to say like Paul, for me to live is Christ. If I got room for anything else, fine. But to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. So you wake up in the morning. It's so important the first things you start to think about in the day. So important what you begin to focus on. You know, thoughts are going to try to come to you the moment you wake up. How about you make those thoughts be conducive with maintaining a spirit-filled life? Like, good morning, Jesus. Ha, how are you today? I love you so much. Those things I'm believing for, thank you, Lord, that they're manifesting in my life. Just say, tell him what you believe you receive and, and just commune with him and love on him and pray in tongues for a while. Well, Pastor, I don't pray in tongues. Well, you can. You just get filled with the Spirit. Speak out, speak out of your heart instead of your head. I just gave a message in tongues. That's a little different than praying in tongues. We can all pray in tongues. You don't have to interpret everything you pray in tongues. You might want to pray for the interpretation, for direction in your life. But what I just did is a, is a different kind of tongue in public services that does need an interpretation. Our Paul said, keep that kind of tongue in until there is an interpreter. But pray in tongues in the morning. Um, you know, you can tell you're getting spirit-filled in the morning when you don't want to stop praying. You don't want to stop 
hearing the word, you're actually hoping the clock slows down instead of speeds up so you can get on to your exciting things. There's certain things you can check. Here's how you can tell what you're filled with right now. What do you want to talk about the most? Whatever we want to talk about the most is what we're filled with the most at that moment. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if, it's, if, if you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to want to talk about the things of God. Amen. Anybody excited about living a Spirit-filled life? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.